Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Today we're joined by a special guest. His name is Dr. Ranj Sagu, who is a GP and a health and well-being coach. In this enlightening episode, Dr. Ranj delves into the essence of reaching one's full potential and unveils the six key pillars of lifestyle medicine. We explore the pivotal role that GPs play in our health and well-being. However, Dr. Ranj does like to embrace a holistic approach to wellness as the first port of call before medication, if possible. You can also expect to learn actionable insights on crafting a healthy morning routine, how to manage negative emotions better, and why it is important to strike a balance in life whilst still enjoying the things that you love. Dr. Ranj sheds light on the detrimental effects of excessive screen time on sleep quality and offers invaluable advice on cultivating gratitude and the habit of reading. Also, Dr. Ranj hosts his own podcast, The Mindful Mixed Podcast, which really is a treasure trove of health and wellness wisdom that's not to be missed. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please can you subscribe and leave a five-star rating. It helps the show so much and gives me all the confidence moving forward to keep improving. Without further ado, let's dive into this conversation. Hello, Dr. Ranj. Thank you very much for being here. Hi, Yusuf. Uh, yeah, thank you for inviting me on. Happy days. Am I saying that right? Now, I've heard a few of your podcasts that you're on, and I know a few people say, is, it is this how you say it? Is that how you say it? And you say, don't call me doctor, just call me Ranj. So am I right in saying Dr. Ranj? Is that right? Yeah, you know, Ranj is absolutely okay. fine. <laughs> yeah, you, I, I honestly don't don't mind. Dr. Ranj is fine. Or, yeah, I, I'm quite easy. I'm, I'm not picky with, with what people call me. Well, thanks me. for being here. There's a, a question that we always start the podcast with, which kind of just sets the tone. And that is, what does reaching your full potential mean to you? What does re That's a great question. Um, for me, reaching your full potential means kind of living your life on purpose, um, and this is something that I, I, I talk about quite a lot is doing everything within your purpose, you know, living to your, let's say, full potential. So, but that means being true to yourself, being true to your values and, 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 and being purposeful. And, and that often takes a lot of, um, kind of self-reflection, knowing what your purpose is. Um, and when you know your purpose, then when you can live by that purpose, then everything is is kind of magnified, you know, you're, you're doing things that are so empowering. And that, that's, that's a key word for me as well as empowering. So when you're doing things that you're emp empowering yourself to do, uh, for me, that's living to your full potential. So I'm a, a good few episodes in now. And I thought to myself, oh, I'm a bit worried in case everyone answers this question the exact same. And no one's answered the question the same. So, so far, so good. It obviously means something very different to, to everyone, which which is good. Um, tell us a little bit about your background before we get into the nitty gritty. Cool. Uh, yeah, so I'm, uh, as the name suggests, I'm a doctor. I'm a GP in the NHS. Um, so I've been a doctor now for the past um, nearly 20 years now. So, um, and obviously that was starting off in, in, in hospitals. And then I became a GP about 12 years ago. Um, and yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I can't, I love the transition, um, and I, I think that was the right choice for me. Um, uh, for me, it was more about um, one was kind of the work-life balance um, and being able to spend more time with with my family, um, but just also the the, the variety um, that we see in general practice. 
um, and and also uh, what's really important to me, which we'll probably come on to um, as a as a clinician, is connecting with people um, and that continuity of care, uh, which you know, sort of in hospital medicine, you don't you don't always get. Um, so so that was a, so, yeah. So that that's me as a as a clinician. Um, I'm also a health and well being uh, coach. Uh, I call it you know sort of a transformational coach. Uh, which is about kind of empowering people to, like we said, you know, sort of living to your fullest potential. And so empowering people to become healthy uh, and and live their lives to their fullest potential by being healthy. Mm. So it's a very holistic sort of healthcare. In your words, or in your opinion, what is the definition of healthy? What's the definition of healthy? It's, for me, it's very holistic. Um, You know, health isn't just your physical health um because you can't just have your physical health without having your your mental health without having your social health without having um you know all all the different sort of aspects of of health um come together um so and and it, it and they they all have to be kind of optimized so in terms of um, you know things like nutrition and being physically active, and even things like sleep, and um, you know, sort of, you know, making sure that we're not doing drugs and alcohol, all of those sorts of things, we have to kind of optimize in order to be healthy. And for you, have you got have you got some like daily non negotiables that you start your day with? I know it's it's becoming a a trend at the minute. Morning mm-hmm. routines, you know, yeah. up at six in the ice bath. You know, that's not for everyone, sure. but, but for you, what, what should everybody's non-negotiables be from the minute they wake up for the first three to four hours of the day okay. to set themselves up? Um, I think it's, I think it's different for everybody. Obviously everybody, uh, for me, the, the biggest thing is, is balance. You know, what, what works, what, what works for you in your circumstances is, is how, you know, you have to, you have to kind of plan it. Um, so, so for me, you know, my morning routine is I wake up at, um, five o'clock in the morning, um, I'll do sort of my, um, kind of morning like prayers, um, and kind of that meditation type thing. Um, and then I'll do like half an hour's worth of exercise and then, then it's time for the, the kids to get up and get them ready for school and go to work. So that's my morning routine. But for me that works, you know, I have, I fit that into my morning. Um, because it, it works for me in, in in kind of the scheme of the rest of the day. Now that might not work for everybody, and 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 this is a, a, a big part of it because, and and this is what, what I talk about when when we talk about being holistic. And 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 it's been holistic and realistic as well. So we have to we have to if we're making these changes and we're we're, we're trying to be healthy and trying to um, you know bring these kind of non-negotiables in they have to fit within your you know your circumstances this is why you know talk about we have to make sure that we're healthy from from all the aspects because if you start to kind of over prioritize on one say you know for example like if you're going to say you know i have to put in you know an hour's worth of exercise every morning or and and i have to i have to put in uh, you know an hour's worth of meditation in the morning but if that then starts to compromise like your sleep you're not getting enough sleep then that's going to have a knock-on effect do you think because you're not are you are you currently practicing as a gp yeah 
yeah. still to know. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a train of thought that many will say, you go into the doctor's office or the doctor's um, doctor's room and you tell them a problem and they say, here's some medication, go away, yeah. take this and you'll be fine. And you also, you personally come from the other completely different school of thought, which is the holistic view, what can we be doing with our nutrition, exercise, mental health to keep us balanced so when somebody comes to see you, do you prescribe that? Like, can you prescribe that? Or is it very much that because you're working for the NHS, it's almost a, a thing that, right, we sh we're going to give out the medication? <laughs> yeah, there's lots of elements to it. I mean, obviously, the biggest factor in, in the NHS is as time, which you're probably aware of. You know, you go to the doctors and, you know, you've got a 10 or 15 minute appointment in which time you know the you, you've got a patient who's telling you their problems you're asking them questions you're doing an examination so you know time is very precious when you're you don't have a lot of time to you know to to, to have these kind of very deep discussions which mm. is why um oftentimes you know you are led into prescribing something for the for their problems um i I, I do try and use my background in, you know, in lifestyle medicine and, and coaching and um, uh, uh, and kind of counselling to to try to be kind of more holistic based. Um, and it is difficult, you know. I will, I do overrun, but I I purposely do it because mm -hmm. you know that's what I what I believe in. So it's it's not to say you can't do it in the NHS. It just takes a lot of time. Um, and you know, you have to find that balance. Yes. Where medication is needed, it's needed. I can't neglect the fact that, you know, I am a, a medical doctor and, and if, if a patient, you know, for patients, um, need medication, then, you know, I, I, I will prescribe medication, but I will always also back that up with, yes, this is a medication that can help your symptoms, but we can also take it back and look at the root cause of what's actually causing your symptoms. Um, you know, what's actually brought you yeah. to see us and what can we change to um, actually stop this from happening again in the future? Yes, we'll treat the symptoms now, but we can prevent this by, you know, by making these lifestyle changes. When it comes to mental health, because so for me, for example, when I've struggled with um, anxiety and a little bit of low mood and now I'm much better at, at, at coping with it. However, when it first comes on and that first wave of anxiety that you've never experienced before hits you, you don't know what's going on. You don't, you don't know why this is happening to you. And when you go into the doctors, depending on who you get, they just look at you like they don't understand themselves. It's very much a, a thing of if you haven't been through it yourself, sometimes you feel like they don't really get you. And sure. I'm just wondering your thoughts on if you are struggling with mental health specifically and not physical health, is the GP the right place to go still? Because they are probably just going to give you some antidepressants. I would say, yes, they are still, you know, the person to go. As a general practitioner, we, you know, we, that's what we're there for. We're there to help you um, with your health. And, and, you know, being a GP means that we, we, we are there to, you know, we're like your, your fam, your, your kind of physician for life, if mm. you like, you know, so we are there to help you with all of your ailments. 
yes, we're not specialized in, 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 you know, in, in, in a lot of things, but we are there as, you know, pretty much your, your first point of call for, mm. you know, for help. Um, but yes, I mean, in terms of, you know, mental health is, is, is kind of more of a, a, a specialty, but it's, it's kind of a spectrum, isn't it? You know, like you can go in with, um, you know, kind of sort of a, a low level stress, um, mm. you know, you know, or, or it could be, you know, something more complex, you know, um, uh, you know, whether there is like a personality disorder. So it's, it's a very big spectrum, isn't it? From kind of day-to-day stresses that you're, you're having difficulty deal with to kind of the more complex things. Um, and we might not be the best people to deal with the more complex things, but we are, 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 are the people who are most likely to be able to help direct you into the, into mm. the right services now that's that's the other problem with and and, and again this is I, I don't want to really get into a debate about the nhs and but obviously mm. the there is a lack of services and and resources out there and um, so people you know it is it is a struggle sometimes to get the help that you need um, but I, I would still say you know if you are struggling with your mental health then you know the gp is a, a very good um you know source to go to yeah well for me personally um if i was to walk into your room it'd be a lot different obviously you are mm. um clearly just from reading through some of your qualifications on on linkedin and stuff like that you mm. have gone above and beyond in terms of educating yourself around yeah. mental health specifically yeah. and the more holistic view but then i also appreciate that a lot of others haven't that is the difficulty you know at the end you know we are general practitioners so we we need to know a bit about everything and um but again i think that's that's the beauty of kind of general practice as well is that we we can kind of specialize in things that we're interested in and obviously yeah. it's but that that there's obviously create a bit of difficulty for people because you don't you might not get the same level of of support and service in in different places um yeah uh, yeah so i i do understand kind of that difficulty yeah. but you know for me personally you know mental health is such a big thing um and uh, you know again it's it's something that's really kind of close to my heart which is why you know I, I, it's, it, they're conversations that i yeah. that i really like having with patients should we try to be happy i know there's another train of thought that we shouldn't be trying to chase happiness because ultimately it will lead us mm. to feeling unhappy okay the question is what what is happiness the question is what is happiness to you um mm. you know ha- happiness to 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 all of us is something different um so it's yeah so it, it's more about rather than sort of seeking happiness it's actually what's what does that what does that mean to you what's the underlying kind of again the the, the values and purpose behind it that's going to make you happy um you know so whether it's you know your happiness is wanting to spend more time with your family then you know what do you have to do to get there so rather than just trying to to seek sort of being happy without knowing what this happiness is it's it's quite difficult yeah i've seen something that you posted on linkedin that said replace negative emotions with gratitude they cannot coexist mm-hmm. is where did that come from it makes complete sense sure 
Okay. Um, I think it's just, just through reading, sometimes obviously you come through these things and you start to sort of contemplate them. And actually that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and also through conversations that I have with, with patients, um, you know, some of the journeys that we, that we go through and we, and we talk about things, um, you know, you, you end up on, on, you know, talking about really sort of deep things that, that then start to change people's perspectives. And I think, and, and, and I think as humans, what we do is we're quick to look at sort of the negative side of things. Um, I'll give you an example. The, there, there was a patient I was talking to recently who, um, has been trying to lose weight for a very long time. And he, he goes through these cycles of becoming really motivated about losing weight. He'll go to the gym four or five times a week. Um, but then he'll constantly check his weight on the scales and once, and, and like on a daily basis, and he's not seeing his weight come down or it's fluctuating, it's up and down. Mm. And then he's getting demoralized by it. And he's saying, well, well, what's the point? And then he'll, he'll stop exercising and, and he'll kind of complete, you know, constantly go through this cycle. So when we were having this discussion and I said, well, you know, what, what, what was the positives of you going, you know, to the gym? What was the positives of you doing all that? And he said, what do you mean? I was like, you know, the only thing you're focusing on is the fact that you're, what you're seeing is you're not losing weight. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how did it make you feel? How did going to the gym? Um, well, first of all, you know, I, from, from my perspective, I can see somebody who, um, is, is determined to lose weight. Somebody who's, who's, you know, who's, who's had the motivation to want to lose weight. So they, you know, so you're conscious about your health, you're, you know, you've, you've gone to the effort of making your gym membership and you've been going four or five times a week, you've been working out. So those are all, you know, really strong positives to me. And, you know, I can see somebody who, um, you know, who, who's, who's putting in so much effort to doing it, but all you're doing is focusing on the negative of what you, what you perceive is not, not losing mm -hmm. weight, you know, sort of, so the difference on the scales, um, so, and so it's, it's that, it's that change in the mindset. So when you start focusing more on the positives, um, then it, you know, then, then, then you're, we're not looking at those, the negative aspect and, and, and some of it comes with a bit of kind of understanding and, and knowledge as well. So, cause yeah, you know, I was having that discussion, we were talking about, you know, it, it's not, it's not good to check your weight on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. you, there will be fluctuations, you know, a lot of those daily fluctuations is just carrying water, you know, so mm -hmm. some days you're not carrying as much water, some days you're carrying more. And I said, also the other, the other thing we're not realizing is you're going to the gym, you're doing strength workouts, you're, you're changing your body composition. You know, you're, you're replacing your, the fat with muscle and muscle weighs mm -hmm. more than fat. So, you know, so what you're seeing on the scales isn't representative of what you're doing. I was like, how did you feel when you were doing this exercise? And then he stopped mm -hmm. and thought and he said, well, actually, I, I, I was feeling more like I had more energy, you know, before I wasn't able to, to get off the sofa, you know, I used to have to wriggle around and kind of work myself off the sofa and, and I felt more, mm -hmm. you know, I was able to get up easier, same from the floor. He goes, so I actually did feel a lot better. So when you start changing that, that sort of process and start thinking more, along the positive lines, then, then you're not thinking about the negative aspects of it. Mm. So I think it's important there. The takeaway there was to track from 
from many areas of your life, not just the scale weight. You know, you could be taking photos, you could be, you know, mm-hmm. have a list of a few things that's, you know, energy in the morning, energy in the evening, absolutely, um, yeah. hunger, and have yeah. all of those on a scale of one to 10 maybe, and then track it throughout. So we're not yeah. just looking yeah. at the absolutely the number on the scale, yeah. which like you said, can fluctuate exactly. so much. Yeah. It is that, it's, it's having that kind of holistic view on it and being self-reflective. You know, so not just looking at the one aspect of it's, you know, being able to look at how is it affecting you emotionally? How is it affecting you, um, you know, physically, you know, energy levels, all of those things. So for you, seeing that you've, you kind of wear a few hats all within um, health and medicine and, and stuff like that. But for people that want to learn how do we learn well? How do we learn faster? How do we retain information? Mm. Um, good question. I think it comes back to, like you were saying, it's, you know, there's so much information out there. Um, it's, it's knowing kind of what the right sources of information are um, and, you know, being able to, to, to go to sort of you know, trusted uh, sources for information. Mm. Um and, 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 and I think like we were talking about earlier is, is, um, uh, you know, so there, there's so much information out there. Um, it's, it's where do we find these, you know, these trusted sources that we can go to, uh, for information. Um, a lot of it is like from, from a medical perspective, you know, there's, there's medical journals. Um, but again, you have to, you have to know how to read a medical journal to make sure that it's, you know, it's a, a robust yeah. trial, for example. Um, so, it, you know, making, so from that perspective, you're looking at kind of, you know, large scale trials that are, um, um, you know, that, that, that have kind of, you know, looked at making sure that there's, they, they've kind of, um, yeah, make sure that there's kind of no biases and things in them or yeah. they're kind of meta-analysis where they've put lots of studies yeah. together and, and taken information from. But obviously for for um for people who aren't medical, um, you know, that that might be difficult to do. Um so yeah, it's some of it is is if if you if you're looking at sort of other resources, um obviously, you know, the trusted websites you know like obviously first places to start with is like you know nhs website yeah um there are some 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 good sources of information um like kind of broad sources like um a good one is you know patient patient uk is a is a good kind of baseline resource for people um you know with with you know and and they're all they're all kind of um written by by medical professionals you said recently um, that reading used to be a chore for you, but now you, you've picked it up a lot. And I can relate with that because reading for me can be a chore. I prefer to learn mm-hmm. in other ways, even though I want to read. If that's just not my preferred way of learning, should I just not read and consume it in different ways? Or is there a way that I can turn it from being a chore into okay, I enjoy it. Because if you've done it, how did you do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, again, for me, it was it was time and, and it was, you know, not having a lot of time to sort of sit down and, and devote to, to, you know, to reading, uh, to reading a book. One is obviously finding, you know, 
what your passion is reading. You know, you're not just going to pick up anything. Um, so it's, it's understanding what, what you're going to enjoy reading. And that, that took me a bit of time, you know, um, uh, finding out, um, kind of what things I enjoyed reading and, but, but also not putting too much pressure on it. So it was almost like when I was trying to sit down to read something, I was kind of under the feeling I'd have to try and get through as, as much of it as I could in that kind of mm. one sitting where there's, there's no time, there's no time frame on it. You know what I mean? So, you know, setting aside half an hour or an hour, if you can to read and just, you know, reading at your leisure, reading as much as you can, because what you want to do is not just read for the sake of reading. You want to actually learn from what you're reading. Yeah. Um, or, or, or actually take, you know, something good out of it. Um, because one of the things I, I like to read graphic novels, um, mm. and, you know, and that's completely different, but so I'm getting something different from that. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm able, you know, in that you're able to explore, you know, fantasy worlds and yeah. stories and things like that, which is, you know, which is something completely different. So it's, it's what you get out of it. Um, but obviously you don't just have to read as well. You know, there, there's, there's so many different ways now, obviously there's audio books and things like that. So it's, it's, and, and I like to do a mixture of all of those. Um, mm. so, you know, so you don't necessarily just have to read, um, you know, uh, you know, so mixing, you know, do, doing a mixture is, is, is also good. Uh, I know that you said earlier that you've got, uh, two kids yourself when it comes to mm -hmm. learning for them in a world where we've got iPads, PlayStations, TikTok, sure, everywhere. I mean, you name it, we've got it at our fingertips. Yeah. How do you think for, for kids now, they're, in, in your opinion, or for me, let, let me take this to me. I feel like a big reason that I'm a big procrastinator is because of social media. And I feel like if I take my screen time, screen time down to a couple of hours a day or an hour and a half a day, then, and I do that over a prolonged period, I notice my con concentration levels go much, much higher. But if I've had yeah. three or four days where I've just been scrolling, 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 even if it is for work mm -hmm. or I say it's for work, maybe that's just an excuse. Sure. I find that my, my concentration levels dip. So mm. how do we tackle that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a difficult one and, you know, we're all kind of on that journey, especially, you know, we're, we're learning as we go because, for, you know, for us, when we were growing up, it's, you know, we didn't have access to all of this, you know, all of these screens and and iPads and things so you know we are all still still learning um i mean with 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 my kids they we 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 try and limit their screen time you know during the daytime so um obviously after school it's you know ho homework and things have to be done before you know they're allowed to use um you know their, their iPads or, or or their phones um and or, or and during the week, you know, we, we say you're not allowed. They're not allowed to play on the the PlayStation or, mm. or the Switch. Um, so so there's so so they know that they've got kind of protected time to play, uh, but also that protected time to work. So and, and trying to find that balance can be difficult um, because and you know you know you feel it yourself. Like like you mentioned there, you know, we we you can be. You, you can spend a lot of time scrolling 
mindlessly through social media and all of that. And you do feel then afterwards that you're, you, you're not concentrating on work and things. Me personally, I will, when I'm working, my phone is on silent. It's not even on vibrate and it's, it's put away. So it's out of sight. Um, because you know, you, you know what it's like, you start working on something and then your phone vibrates and you're on it again. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, before, before, you know, 20 minutes has gone and, and, uh, uh, you know, before you kind of got yeah. back to, to trying to do your work. Um, so yeah, it's, it's trying to create that separation, um, when you're trying to concentrate and do work. I think it's hard now, isn't it? Because I guess the argument would be for, uh, kids, the, prize now for winning Fortnite competitions is hundreds of thousands of pounds i mean there was a 15 <laughs> yeah. year old a couple of years ago that was made a millionaire from Fortnite. sure and you just think yeah. like i hope my kids aren't telling me well this is what i want to do this is my life you know but maybe that's just the way yeah. we're going and maybe that's just what we've got to accept yeah. that that's becoming a a real job yeah yeah it's it's difficult isn't it it's the yeah some of the things that, that we see now is you know it's it's it, it, you know, we just wouldn't have imagined it in, you know, you know, 15, 20 years ago, um, you know, people making a lifestyle out of, you know, being on YouTube and, you know, just talking about their own lives and things like that. It's, mm. it was unheard of, wasn't it? You know, we wouldn't have, you know, so yeah, it's, it's, we have to be aware of, you know, the, the changes in, in our times. Um, but also again, it's that balance between trying to, well, I, I think anyway, trying to still instill those values that, that you have in, in your mm. children to make them, make them, you know, so like you say, that fortnight um, kind of millionaire is, it's just that it's kind of, a, you know, it's a one in a, a million or several mm. million type of chance that that's going to happen. So it's being realistic as well. Say, so, you know, it's not going to happen to everybody, um, you know, for, for most of us, you know, that kind of that is a dream um or potentially is a dream but we have to you know be a bit more realistic as well and and put your your, your kind of your your baseline mm. values in place as well and say you mentioned earlier on the that social connections is a, a huge part and i think there's a some stuff you've spoken about in a previous podcast of your own which we'll get onto a bit later i've is it the mm. six pillars? Yeah, Lifestyle, the six pillars of lifestyle medicine. Yes. Do you want to run through what those six pillars yeah. are and and why we should be protecting these pillars? Sure. Okay. So in in lifestyle medicine, it's it's broken up into six pillars, um, and these are all obviously the important areas of our lives um, that we should be focusing on. So obviously, there's nutrition, uh, physical activity, um, social connectedness um stress management um kind of risk taking behavior so it's you know um sort of whether it's to do with drugs and alcohol and um yeah. and and even like you know um you know sort of you know physical activity type of risk that we might take sort of extreme sports and things throwing yourself out um, the plane. and things like that <laughs> yeah absolutely um and then sleep yeah, so sleep's the last one. So all of those six are, are areas, and and I, um, having kind of, you know, studied in lifestyle medicine, I I use those six pillars as as kind of the basis of my sort of coaching program, so that we do spend time looking at each of those areas. Because like I said mm-hmm. at, at the beginning, 
you know, it has to be a very holistic process. We have to make sure that each of these are optimized and working, you know, in synergy together uh, for us to be, you know, living healthy. Sleep's a really important one at the minute, isn't it? I think, I think so many people yeah. don't understand um, the importance of getting a good night's sleep. In terms of, we've spoke about morning routine, but how important is a nighttime routine to ensure that we're getting the best quality sleep? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is. I mean, we often often see lots of patients who say, you know, they have difficulty getting to sleep um, and for numerous reasons. And obviously then you have to look into that. Um, And a lot of of the times it is the same things. It's, um, you know, work stresses or working till till quite late. you know, screens and social media and watching TV and all of those sorts of things are, um, you know, are, are disrupting our sleep patterns. Um, not giving sleep enough respect, you know, the, the sort of respect that we we should be giving to sleep because our lives are so busy nowadays that we, we're, we're constantly trying to eke out that extra hour of work or that extra hour of whatever activity we're doing. And we're sacrificing sleep to do it, thinking, actually, it'll be all right. If I could just get four or five hours tonight, that'd be fine. I can carry on. Um, but we need, yeah, we, we need to make sure that we are kind of sleeping well. So, um, and then, and then sometimes when we, when we're not sleeping well, we have to look at, you know, what's happening that's stopping us from sleeping well. So like you mentioned, sort of the sleep routine at nighttime, um, you know, so, cause if we're working till late at night, then that's going to stop you from switching off. You need to have a period of time between work and whatever activities we've been doing to be able to unwind, to subconsciously kind of wind down so that we're we're, we're prepared for, for bed and having a restful sleep. Are you aware or familiar with the blue light blocking glasses? Not the glasses specific. Obviously, I know the, uh, obviously blue light is... It's something that we do talk about and, you know, trying to filter out blue light so that you're, um, you know, it's not kind of keeping you awake because of the effects it has on cortisol levels. I didn't yeah. know specifically about the glasses. I didn't you can get some glasses that you can put on on a nighttime um, in the hours before okay. you go to bed. I'm always skeptical when things come out like this. I don't know how much of an impact they sure. have. Is this just a case of just trial and error? you know, when studies aren't out there, is it, could it be, could it be that it works for one person and and works for another? Is that called anecdotal? If it were, if, you know, if it's yeah, just on an be. individual? No, it's going to, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there, there's lots of things that are anecdotal um, that we, uh, you know, I, I never say, you know, people do ask me questions all the time of, oh, should I take this supplement or should I take that supplement for my joints and this, that, and the other. And I was like, well, it, if there's no harm in trying it and there's, you know, it's not going to be detrimental to you, then if it works for you, then I don't see, see why you can't, I can't see any evidence mm. to say that, yes, it does work or it doesn't work. So if there's no harm in trying it. I think, that, sorry, I was going to say kind of a, a bigger question to me on, on using something like that saying, um, you know, you know, blue light filter glasses is, it comes back down to the root of it, doesn't it? Why do you need to be using blue light filter glasses at nighttime to look at a screen before going to bed when, you know, maybe you should be cutting out that screen time completely before you go to bed? I guess it's that thing of 
<clears throat> well, first question is how long before we go to sleep should be we should we be winding down and and finishing screen time? Sure. Okay. Um, yeah. So screen time, um, the, the, kind of the, the kind of the evidence or. or or kind of, yeah, um, kind of says about kind of an hour to two hours before you go go to bed. Definitely within an hour before going to bed, we shouldn't be having any any screen time. I say that because for people that work, um, which is the majority of people, <laughs> um, mm, yeah, we might go to work. Our partner goes to work, and then we come in and we have dinner, mm -hmm. and we have the social connection, and we chat. And then yeah. we do a bit of tidying up and it gets to eight o'clock and bedtime is 10. Mm -hmm. Now, for a lot of families, me included, we like to get on the sofa and, and binge watch a bit of Netflix. Yeah. Where are we supposed to find the time to do that if we're supposed to be winding mm -hmm. down for bed when that's kind of the, the time that we get to spend together? Because like you that said, is... with the six pillars... Yeah. Yeah, it's very hard to get them all optimal. But I think maybe what you're saying is, mm. if we're going to be sacrificing one of the pillars, maybe sleep should definitely not be the one that we're sacrificing. <laughs> sure. Okay. I mean, it's it, it is like you say, it's, it is a bit of trial and error because you know what you should just describe there is pretty much what 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 I do as well, and, and me and my wife as well in terms of you know you spent you all you all been at work, you come home, you have you know you prepare dinner, you have dinner with the children they're doing homework, you're doing a bit of work and, you know, come to eight o'clock-ish, you know, you want to sit down and, and, and watch a bit of TV. Because again, that's again a, a bit of social connection. You need yeah. that time with your, par with your partner. Um, so it all has to be a bit of balance. And if, you know, watching that one hour of TV together is, and having a, you know, and having a conversation together during that time is, is beneficial for you and it's and it's building that connection for you and you know it's not disrupting your sleep routine because it it might not disrupt your sleep routine um, it's not might it might not stop you going to sleep um then then you know then it's 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 creating that balance isn't it and and also it's you know if you're if it's making you kind of feel happier and more fulfilled that you've spent time with your with your partner and and had an engaging conversation whilst watching some TV, then ultimately you should be more relaxed anyway for when you do go to bed and your stress levels should have hopefully have come down. The last thing I want to touch on on sleep is how do we know if we've had a good sleep? I know you can get these wearables and trackers. They are very expensive yeah. and... I feel like I'm more targeted towards elite athletes that are really wanting to mm -hmm. optimize every single yeah. last piece of yeah. their being. Um, mm -hmm. But for the average Joe out there that just wants to optimize, you know, how do they know that they're getting good and sufficient sleep? Yeah, it's yeah, it's a there's, there is a danger, isn't it, that we can you know we can there's so much information, like you say, so much information out there, and then there's so many kind of resources to to track different things that we can get so caught up in it. And but at the, at the end of the day, what is good? What is good sleep? You know, it, what we're talking about is restful, res restorative sleep. So it's 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 actually just being mindful 
you know, looking back at, at, you know, in the morning or in the day, you know, thinking, you know, how do I feel in the morning? Do I feel refreshed, you know, or do I feel like I've had such a restless night that I'm exhausted and I, you know, I, I could just go back to bed again. Um, so it can be something as simple as that and thinking about the rest of your day at the end of the day, thinking actually, you know what, did I have enough energy to do everything I needed to do? Yeah. Do I still feel energetic now? Um, so we, so, you know, putting too much emphasis on, you know, tracking kind of all of these kind of little, um, little, little bits is, is sometimes too much. And it's just a bit about kind of being sort of kind of inwardly reflective and thinking about, you know, how, how am I feeling really? Um, you know, did I, did I have that restful, did I have that restful sleep? Do I feel like I've got a, enough energy to get on with the day? Do I feel happy? You know, mm. ha- happiness, like we were talking about earlier, you know, do I feel that actually I've got the energy, I've got the motivation and I'm, 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 I'm happy in my daily activities. Yeah. Is it a good idea for most people to get a, a yearly blood test or something like that to check their biomarkers? Because something that I've started doing is is using like the private ones that come to your door and it, it gives you 56 biomarkers. Yeah. And yeah. I was actually surprised to know that um, I'm deficient in vitamin D, which I know a lot of people in the UK are, but it then lets me know that, okay, I should probably supplement this. Um, also, sure. I have slightly high cholesterol. There's, so there's a few things that, you know, if you go to the doctors and just go get a blood test, they're not checking for all those different biomarkers. They may be just checking for Mm. a certain few. So do you think it's a good idea for people if they do feel tired or if they do feel Mm -hmm. not their best, is it worth going and getting a blood test to see if you're deficient in anything that you need to supplement maybe? Yeah, I mean, I think it helps if if you if we're going to use it as a as a kind of a baseline as a as a as a resource to work from, then I think yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know that 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 scenario you described of kind of tiredness is a, is a very common scenario we see, you know, in in general practice, and it 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 often helps to have that baseline, and you know, and and we do. Do in general practice, um, you know, a, a screen for tiredness, which will include, you know, a lot of these different biomarkers. Probably not as many as you would get if you have this this private test, um, but we will look at several vitamin levels and things, and it and cholesterol and things like that. And it's, and I think you're right in it's it's information that if you use kind of positively can empower you, and and I think that's the important thing is being able to empower yourself to make change. Um, mm. and if you've, if you've got this baseline, so if you know that your vitamin D levels are low, and if you know that your cholesterol is high, we, uh, you know, then we can understand how to either supplement them, how to bring your cholesterol down and then start to think, you know, if it helps you be more reflective and be mindful of, you know, what you're eating and, you know, what activities you're doing and how, um, you know, maybe you do need to spend more time out in, in the sunlight rather than, you know, sitting in your office and things like that, then it's, it's empowering, you know, to, to have that information. Yeah. And I think it's balance as well, isn't it? I mean, yeah, of course. going back to the pillars, there's nothing wrong with going out on a Saturday and, you know, treating yourself to a drink or two and 
a big curry or a big fast food takeaway. But as long as that's not making up the majority of your diet, would you say yeah. that that's also the school of thought that you come from that, you know, you, you've got to enjoy yourself. You've Absolutely. got to have these social occasions. Yeah. It's not all just yeah. about optimizing your health. Otherwise you're going to sacrifice so many of the other key pillars. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Balance is, is the most important thing. And, and, and along with that is, um, and actually I was talking about this yesterday um, with, with a friend of mine, we were talking about being kind and compassionate with yourself. You know, we're so easy. It's so easy for us to do that for other people. Like, for example, if somebody um, came to you and said, oh, I'm trying to be really healthy. I was doing really well. And then I um, kind of slipped up and, uh, oh, you know, I went out for mm -hmm. a, a big curry and I had a kebab or whatever. And and we'll, we'll, we'll be the first people to say to them, you know, don't worry about it. You know, you've, you've been so well for the last two or three weeks. You know, having that one kebab doesn't, it doesn't derail you or anything. But we don't do that for ourselves. And, you know, we're, we're very pick, quick to pick up on the, the negative, like we said earlier, and turn that into such a big thing and not look at the bigger picture and, and not being kind on ourselves. Mm. Um, and, and I say this to, to, to patients all the time. I was like, if you look at, if you step back um, and look at the last two weeks and, you know, you've, you've, been really, you've been really healthy with your meals, you've been, you know, really... <laughs> really conscious about what you're eating then you know you, you're allowed to have that one snack um you know you're allowed to have that that one meal that um that you enjoy that's the important thing about it you know we don't we're not robots we we can't mm. suddenly change you can't switch it off can you if you enjoy eating um you know sweet treats or if you enjoy kebabs or whatever um there's no reason you can't fit that into a healthy lifestyle because um, it's about if you're making these changes, they have to be realistic changes. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're somebody that does enjoy these things, if you start to deny yourself these things, then it's going to make you, um, it's going to make you sort of frustrated. It's going to make you angry. Um, and you're, you're, you're kind of going to get into this pattern where you, at some point you're going to fail and you're going to go back to doing it again and probably doing it worse than you were before. I want to give you a few minutes now to let people know about your own podcast as well. I know that you're a few episodes mm. in. You do it sure. with a, uh, a co-host, but let people know what it's all about, <clears throat> who it's for, and why they should listen. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, so uh, me and a, a friend of mine um, called Jackie Cheed, he's actually a, a UK uh, Bhangra singer, um, so Punjabi singer. Um, and we, 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 we met at university, so we've known each other now for just uh, probably over 20 years. Um, and we've always had this really, really good connection. Um, we've always had been able to have kind of open com conversations. I don't know whether you know, you've had this relationship with somebody where you've just kind of got on with them and you can almost mm. say anything and, and, and talk quite openly. And it's, so, so the podcast kind of grew out of, uh, so the podcast is called the Mindful Mixtape Podcast. Um, so it was that play on it being about mindfulness and health and well-being, um, but also kind of bringing in some of, 
um, his kind of creativity with music and, and things like that. Because again, creativity is a big part of health and well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it'd be so using our kind of the creative side of of us. And I don't know um, whether whether you do anything like that. Because for me, art is a is a is a big part of my well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, it's, some, uh, uh, I don't know whether you know, but I'm, I'm also kind of a, a part-time artist where I find a bit of time to do some art. But again, for me, that's relaxing. It's my way of kind of, um, you know, kind of switching off and winding down. Um, but anyway, so, so coming back to the podcast, it's, we, we wanted it to be about health and well-being, but in a way of, telling people that we're having these conversations, you know, about how things that might be on your mind, we're having these conversations and it's okay to have these conversations. Um, you know, so we can talk about, um, like actually just yesterday we were recording and we were recording about nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, but it came on to things like, uh, body image and difficulties, you know, we've had with our own, perception of body image and things and it's and these are the kinds of things that people are either thinking about or having conversations maybe behind closed doors that should you know we, we, it's okay to have these open conversations we're actually on track for men to there's a study being done on men and how they perceive their own body image and we're actually on track mm. to overtake women and how they perceive their body image. And you would think mm. that it's majority women that are comparing themselves to other women on social media. I should look like this. This is the epitome of healthy. I should have abs. I should yeah. do. Whereas now we're actually seeing the trend change to men overtaking mm-hmm. women in that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. It's not surprising because, uh, like, you know, um, this is exactly what we were talking about yesterday, and and that's the kind of journey that I I went through myself personally. You know, from from a very young age of, um, you know, when I was kind of at primary, primary school age, I was quite overweight, and then along with that comes, you know, came the bullying and the teasing and things. But then that obviously influenced my beliefs about kind of body image of what I should look like. Um, and then going from one extreme to the other of trying to become skinny, if you like, and then mm. trying to maintain that by, you know, doing things like missing meals and things like that to try and maintain this image of being being skinny. Um, and it was only, and and then it would kind of yo-yo because you'd get to a point of where you know you're, um, you know, you you. you you're doing kind of quite an extreme diet, which which doesn't last for very long. And then you go the other way and then you kind of binge eat and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then I think it was only a point where I come to a realization of actually, why am I doing this? Uh, What, what person do I want to look at in the mirror that I'm going to be happy with? You know, Mm -hmm. so, you know, so what, what image do I want to see that I am going to be happy with? Not what I perceive other people want me to be happy with, but what am I going to be happy with? And then, you know, when I started to think about that, that's when I started to realize actually this is how I want to be. And 
this is how nutrition and, you know, healthy physical activity looks like for me. Yeah, I think when you allow yourself to be vulnerable and honest, especially online, if you've got a podcast or you've got social media or something like that, especially if you have a business as well, I think people are going to relate way more to that than if you are a personal trainer and all you're doing is posting pictures of yourself with, you know, mm. chiseled abs and huge shoulders and massive arms. Because sure. yes, that's you, but the people that you're helping aren't that. And the people that you're helping mm. can't relate to that. They want to see, you know, a bit more of the the real side and the Yeah. They want to know that 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 when they're on the phone to you, you can pick up the phone and they they understand you. So a little like like for you, you're saying you've been on that journey. I think that's going to be a real um, relatable factor when people are, are speaking to you because you've been through it yourself. And I think that that was again the point of the the podcast is that you know even though I'm a doctor, we, we've all been on certain journeys in our lives. You know, in terms of nutrition and 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 talk, you know, your relationship with food or physical activity or whatever. We've all been through these and we're still going through these journeys and, and that's what we, we wanted it to be. We wanted it to show and, and we want it to show that, you know, we don't all have all the answers and we're all trying to find our way. And it's only through having these conversations that we can either, you know, change perspectives, see a different viewpoint, you know, something that might help us think actually, you know, mm. You know, that might be something worth exploring. Well, I never looked at it like that. You know, maybe that's a good way of looking at it. Well, I think we've covered a lot in that hour. I think there's a lot of value that people can take away from it, a few tips, a few tricks. But ultimately, I think with podcasts like this, you can listen to it and it's, it's, it comes back to the learning thing. You can listen to it and not do anything about it if you are struggling with one of these things, or you can take action and actually utilize some of the things and i mean i'm not perfect at that there's so many things i know i should be doing but i don't do but if anyone is struggling with anything i think you know it's just important to highlight that there is things out there that that you can do there are people you can talk to so i just want to thank you for for coming on and and covering a few of those points for us and also just let people know where they can find you remind them of the podcast if they want to check it out but yeah let them know where they can find you on social media brilliant no thank you yusuf it's it's been really nice having a chat with you um and yeah it's it like we said it's about having these conversations so if anybody is you know struggling out there then i always say is you know it's it's worth just picking up the phone to somebody and you know and and and, and having a conversation because you most people, you know, are there for you, you know, even if you, even if you think they're not, most people are, are you know, willing to listen, you know, friends, family, you know, first point, point in the call with the doctor, you know, um, you know, we, you know, we are, we are there to help and support. Um, myself personally, um, obviously the Mindful Mixtape podcast is on Apple, um, it's on Spotify, Google, um, mm. and, and Amazon as well. Uh, we should be coming up onto YouTube very soon, um, but we're not quite there yet. 
Um, so that that's the podcast uh, for myself. Um, you know, from from the coaching perspective, so health and well being coaching, um, and and you know, kind of mental health coaching as well. Um, I've got a website. It's drranjsagu.com. Nice and easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll link all of those in the show notes as well. Thank you very much, and let's keep in touch. Brilliant. No, thank you very much.